Coming to you live from some random bar, or some random bar, some random rooftop where the Beatles performed their album Let It Be. Uh, I didn't watch that, so I don't know where that was. I normally say where we're coming live from, but I didn't think about it until right as I was talking. It's the Movie Change-Up Podcast Disney Plus Weekly Review, where every week we break down this week in Disney Plus, uh, from releases and trailers to movies and shows, just anything that happened to Disney Plus this week. Uh, week we got an episode of Hawkeye, we're going to talk about parts two and three of the Beatles' Get Back documentary, and... uh, Mostly some news. It was a little bit of a slow week for Disney Plus, considering one of the things we're talking about actually dropped last week. Uh, but and there was a Diary of a Wimpy Kid movie that dropped on Friday, but we didn't have time to talk about it before our recording. So we'll probably talk about that next week. Tristan, what were your thoughts on this week in Disney Plus? Yeah, uh, I really am look like in this Hawkeye show, so I'm happy with that. And I was very, very into the Good uh, Get Back docu series, so I was happy with that and. I watched the first, you know, 10 or so minutes of a Diary of a Wimpy Kid uh, film. Uh, uh, it's like a, not less than an hour long. It's like an animated movie, but it, it's very short. And I'm, gonna, I'm looking forward to finishing it because I have read a couple of these books. But, yeah, a, a strong week in Disney Plus. No big, huge drops or anything like that. But I'm, I'm, I'm liking both of these shows. Just some of the strongest stuff Disney's done on this platform. All right, and uh, so that was probably, you know, I was thought, you know, you kind of got Lime vibes. There wasn't really much this week for Disney Plus outside of Echoes. Normally they drop some garbage documentaries no one cares about um, that I've tried watching, and they're usually all National Geographic documentaries, and so far they've all mostly been disappointing. And also I realized uh, we have a Disney Plus intro that we're supposed to play, but we just finished a drink-along, and I'm a little hammered slash buzzed, and I forgot to play that. So if you're wondering what happened to that intro that Tristan... Uh, so creatively designed. Uh, it'll be back next week when I remember to play it. Uh, so let's kick off with Hawkeye, Season 1, Episode 3. This episode was titled Echoes, where we were introduced to the character of Echo. And uh, we kind of saw a little bit more of Clint Barton's deafness. That played a bigger part in this episode because Echo herself is deaf. We saw that a little bit through flashback. And we just saw more of the dynamic of Clinton Barton and Kate Bishop and how everything's going together as a as uh, Haley Steinfeld's future husband. It was a great to great episode. Uh, Tristan, what were your thoughts on this episode? As the future maid of honor of, of your Haley Steinfeld marriage, uh, I'm sorry I can't be your best man, Joe. I gotta be Haley's uh, maid of hey, honor. I'm not it's, mad. I'm not mad. As long as me and Haley are staring into each other's eyes lovingly as some guy marries us, I'll be okay. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm liking the show a lot. I think Haley Seinfeld is really selling herself as a presence in the MCU, and I can't wait to see her dynamic going forward. And they tease that she's going to be a young Avenger, maybe, maybe not, but I think obviously she will be, assuming the show isn't like a complete failure. But I'm liking this show a lot. And you mentioned the deafness. I thought it was a really great way to play that in. It's something that's present in the character in the comics, but never has really come up much at all in the movies or anything like that. And to see it finally play in here, it was really fun and it was used creatively and never in a way that was like mocking or hurtful. And when you're, when you're using a, a character with deafness and especially if you're trying to use that as a form of comedy, it can potentially go really badly. <laughs> and I feel like it was used with some delicate detail here. So yeah, I had a great time with it. I'm, I'm loving Echo as a villain and the teases of 
of what the big bad of the show might be. We're here in this episode as well, so we'll talk about that if you want to. But yeah, yeah I had a good, good, good time I, with this, this episode. That completely went over my head, uh, and because you know I'm not a big like Disney Plus. Uh, or not Disney Plus. I'm not a big like Marvel Comics reader, so a lot of that went over my head. But you and a lot of people have this theory, and I want to hear it. Yeah, so we get a mention here of an uncle, uh, someone that raised Echo after her father's death and was kind of present in her life, not uh, just, I can't remember the character's name now, but the, the husband of Vera Farmiga's character, who is assuming to be the big bad of this Tony Dalton's character, uh, Jack, I think his name is in this, but yeah, we see Jack and also an, an uncle raising Echo and the theory going around that I buy and that also feels faithful to the character's origins of the comics is that this uncle is a is, uh, kingpin from the Daredevil TV show and that we're going to get a kingpin crossover here. We've gotten some teases, not just to this uncle. We got, we saw him briefly in a shot of like this big suited white guy with a kind of big buff white hand reached out and kind of touches Echo, Echo's face in the flashback, and that's the uncle. And I'm wondering if that uncle is also going to be the big bad that uh, they tease here where Clint says essentially, oh, somebody, Echo answers to somebody, begged somebody to want to mess with, and Kate says, oh, who's that? And Clint just kind of doesn't answer, you know, in a typical movie way, they just don't answer questions when they're asked. And <laughs> But yeah, uh, I'm thinking that's probably going to be Kingpin, and we're going to get a Kingpin, Kingpin appearance in here as the the ultimate big bad of these trench coat mafia guys. We're already halfway through the show, and we haven't seen any of the larger MCU connections at all. So I'm I'm thinking we're going to get some of that as we get into the next episodes here. Yeah, I definitely think so. Like we haven't seen uh, Yelena at all or anything. So I definitely think next episode, episode we're halfway through. I think. Uh... Episode 4 is probably where we might start to see some of those connections, and I'm definitely looking forward to it. I think it was a good episode. I think Hawkeye is... uh, It's been a good show so far. I know some people weren't so into Episodes 1 and 2, but they've been really into Episode 3, which I don't really understand. I thought they've all been consistently good quality. Uh, But one of the things I've wanted to bring up, and it's more of a behind-the-scenes thing, because me and you and and I have been texting about it, is, like, the best way to gauge, like, the popularity of a show is, like, how much we see on Twitter. Like, for uh, Loki, it was a show that, when when it premiered on Wednesday, I knew I had to get up early to watch it um, before I went to work if I wanted to go on Twitter at all that day, because it was just going to be all over Twitter. And, like, Hawkeye is a show, like, that originally I just didn't get up early in time, and for the premiere and I was like okay whatever I just won't go on Twitter and then I forgot and I was scrolling on Twitter at work for like 30-40 minutes before I finally saw a Hawkeye tweet and I'm like oh yeah that premiered today Uh, but we have some actual like news and information about the viewership of the show and uh, so uh, the first episode of Hawkeye drew 1.5 million viewers and uh, the premiere of Loki drew 2.5, so it's down 40%. The premiere of Hawkeye is down 40% from the premiere of Loki. And in the, Hawkeye's first five days, uh, drew less at, uh, uh, yeah, first five days drew less than the first three days of Falcon and Winter Soldier and WandaVision. Uh, like I said, uh, 1.5 uh, watched Hawkeye. 1.8 million watched Falcon and Winter Soldier, and 1.6 watched uh, WandaVision. So that uh, 1.5 to 1.6 is a lot, but I think it could be concerning that their viewership numbers are seem to be dropping and not 
rising. Yeah, that's disconcerting for me, honestly, because this is a much smaller scale show, of course, so the budget has to be much slower, much smaller than it was on WandaVision and on, on Loki, much smaller than Loki, I have to imagine. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out as it goes along. Is this going to be a one that builds word of mouth? As we said earlier, there's going to be more and more connective characters. Is that something that's going to get people talking about it and watch it more? Because, yeah, they're, they're trailing quite a bit behind these previous shows, and I hope that's not a sign to Disney to not do these smaller-scale things. Because for me, at least so far, this is up there as my favorite of these Marvel shows. And yeah. I think a lot of that is because it doesn't feel like this high stakes important thing. It's like, oh, I'm not watching this to like take notes about movies that are coming out in the future or something like that. I'm watching this because it's a good story. It's fun. The characters are really interesting. And it feels to me like exactly what I wanted these shows to be. It's just a story with a character, you know, it was kind of a side character in the movies, but never really got a chance to really shine fully. And we're going to give them this smaller scale street level story off on their own. And we're going to kind of introduce characters here and there that are going to be important, sure. But it's not about moving the plot forward. And I hope Disney doesn't see this and think, oh, now we got to make everything yeah. big. Everything's got to tie into the multiverse. Everything's got to be this and that. Because to me, this is what I want more of. Just small stories with these characters, not necessarily watching it for the homework of, of the MCU. Yeah, and exactly. I wonder if that's what hap- is affecting these ratings. People would be watching it more if it was much more tying into the MCU scale. Yeah, I think so too. I wonder if like when Yelena shows up, it's going to be like bigger on Twitter and stuff. Cause I think partially is like, especially with content now, people want to be part of the discussion people want to be. And so it's kind of this self-fulfilling prophecy or if people aren't talking about it, people won't watch it. But if people are talking about it, then people will watch it, which means more people are talking about it. So I think part of it is like from episode one, almost from the jump is like, maybe that's not the way to do things, you know, for the best story. But if you want people to watch your content, then maybe moving forward, it's like, okay, Yelena has got to be in episode one. Yeah, I don't know. I just hope we don't start seeing more and more and more of the connective stuff and more and more and more of the big scale stuff because I like a lot of the small scale stuff here, like Clint and Kate sitting on the train just having, of course, his hearing aid is not working, so he's just kind of talking out loud to her and she's talking to him and they're both having separate conversations that also kind of interweave with each other. And I thought the car chase here was really fun. It's something that in a, in a bigger scale movie would have been probably a lot worse with the fact that it was just Kate out the window or yeah. a bit of a reversal of what happened in the comic where they had Kate driving and, and Hawkeye out the window shooting trick arrows out at the at the trench coat mafia in a very similar scene that, where they that kind of reverse it here. Was great. That was my favorite. The Ant-Man era was awesome. And that's what that's the kind of connective stuff that I really like where you have a living universe with stuff to draw from, but you're not relying on that for everything. Like it, it, it makes sense that Hawkeye would have a pin arrow sitting in to use and he pulls it out for this cool thing, and you're not sitting there like, oh, wait, what's going on? What is that arrow? I don't understand, because you understand it's a trick arrow, and if you if you follow the the MCU, you understand that it's a an Ant-Man tie-in, but if you're not, you just say, oh, it's a cool trick arrow, one of his dangerous ones that he was hiding away. Yeah. Yeah, I loved that action scene, and there was, I mentioned in the last episode when we watched it that there was not really a standout action moment where I felt like they never had like a wow action sequence, and for me, this had a couple, and that ch- that car chase was definitely the one for me where I was. It also it ties to the comic, of course. So I was like, it's fun to see a direct scene from the comic lifted and and adapted. 
but it, it was also a great way to get the dynamic and see Kate in action and see Hawkeye in action. They made Hawkeye look awesome in this in this episode. They had a great fight scene too. Uh, I don't remember the context of it actually off the top of my head, but Hawkeye and and, and they're kind of breaking out of the trench coat mafia at the beginning, and we get to see Hawkeye in action, hiding behind pillars and doing really quick arrow shots, and it was it was a great action scene for him. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of stuff I I fear we lose if we start going bigger scale and Hawkeye's fighting Thanos or something in these scenes rather than like street level gangsters. Definitely. Because does Hawkeye even have a place in a world that is all cosmic and no? Like, how do we even, how do we ever have a story like this if everything has to be big? You know. Definitely. One of the things I'm confused about is I thought this storyline would kind of be about like, this is why Hawkeye's retiring. But a lot of Kate Bishop's messaging, it's weird because we just watched the Last Jedi and a lot of this episode did remind me of the Last Jedi. Is like. You could be a symbol, you could be a hero, and she, like, draws his, like, comic costume or whatever. And so I'm kind of curious, like, where where does his arc end up? Because I was convinced, like, even before the show started of, like, this is kind of Hawkeye's swan song and he's going to pass the baton. But it's, like, almost like you could be more than that. You could be, like, you're this, you were this, like, low-level, like, government agent, and now you could be, like, this big hero. And almost, I'm almost wondering, and I've seen other people speculate this, it's, like he going to be the leader of the Avengers moving forward? Is he going to be... Because, like, we even had the thing in the Eternals of uh, Rob Stark, or Icarus, I guess, like, oh, he's going to lead the uh, Avengers now that uh, Captain America's gone. And he's like, oh, I could lead them. It's like, what if it's Hawkeye? What if Hawkeye's like, I'm the leader of the Avengers? Like, just because Sam Wilson is Captain America doesn't necessarily mean he's the leader of the Avengers now. He could... He could still be Captain America and not be the leader of the Avengers, and I could see maybe moving forward, maybe in at least in the next big Avengers movie or next big team-up movie, Hawkeye's leading the Avengers, and I think that'd be kind of cool. I don't necessarily see if he leads the movie side of Avengers, but I do like your idea that he's going to have a leadership role, and I could see him being that Nick Fury of, of the Young Avengers in a way. You know, maybe he's kind of a... The leading force, not necessarily the action lead, but the the guy in charge, the guy training him, giving him orders, and he has that kind of Nick Fury attitude to him too, where he's kind of like over it, you know, he's snarky, he's cynical. So I could see him playing a similar role in the Young Avengers, and he's not out there leading the fight, but he shows up once a season, you know, maybe season premiere, season finale, somewhere in the middle. He has appearances throughout these shows as just kind of like their leader, and that's a way to give him his chance to have a family and be peaceful and, and happy, but also have this leadership role. Yeah. But at the same time, is that dramatic? Like, do we want Hawkeye to have everything he wants at the end of this? Or do we have to, or do we want Hawkeye yeah. to ultimately have to choose between his family and his role as a hero? And he lost, I that. think maybe the arc is for the arc is for him to be like, you know what? The most heroic role I can have is a father right now. So I'm not going to be the leader of the Avengers. I'm not going to be Hawkeye. You know, I I'm realizing that Kate is capable to do that herself. So I'm training her, and we're good to go. I'm going to be a father now, and that's all I want to be. Yeah, I can see that. Anything else you have to say about Hawkeye? No, I'm liking it a lot. I hope more people watch it because I'm having a really good time with it. Uh, Kate Bishop, I'm really into her her character. I think they're setting up Echo was a great conflict of a hybrid of Hawkeye and Kate Bishop in a way. She has elements of both of those characters in her. So it's going to be great to see those two come head-to-head and 
yeah, we were still waiting on Yolanda. We're still waiting on how it's going to tie a little bit larger into that. So I could see them wrapping up this trench coat mafia storyline next week. And then maybe the last two or so episodes are bigger, yeah. but uh, yeah, I mean, we're already, I can't believe we're already so far along because I feel like there's so much they still have to get <laughs> plot wise. And I wouldn't necessarily have thought that going in like, this is, this is really good. I'm liking it a lot. And if they can wrap it up without making it turn Disney channel, original action movie and by the end i think it's gonna be uh one of the best they've done for these marvel shows yeah definitely i'm liking it so far it's probably loki's probably number one this may be number two falcon and wonder soldier number three because monovision fucking blue i don't care what people think people that like that show don't understand television i don't know about that but it's, okay it's, the last episode was fucking garbage it was a disney channel original movie um Next, so we got, uh, I understand you talked a lot about this last topic, so I guess on our next topic. <coughs> Excuse me. It's only fair it's something that I loved passionately and you knew nothing about, and that's the Beatles Get Back Parts 2 and 3. Um, kind of heard my piece on Part 1. If the idea of watching the creation of the Let It Be album is something you'd love to be on the fly, a fly on the wall and watch, you're going to love it. If that doesn't sound interesting to you, don't waste your time. Tristan, my stance on it is, I don't care about it. I'm not going to waste my time. But you apparently thought this sounds interesting, so what are your thoughts for those people? If you don't know, we have been doing watch-alongs of the Star Wars sequels the last couple of days, and uh, yesterday we watched Star Wars The Force Awakens, where Han Solo has a... Uh, Ray approaches Han Solo and says, you're Han Solo, and he says, I used to be, you know, and when you say, oh, if you're a Beatles fan, I say, I used to be. You know, I, I at one point, I was a huge Beatles fan. At one point, they were like my bands that I was obsessively into. And so I came into this. I'm not actively a Beatles fan, but I have enough knowledge of the band historically from my youth that I was able to kind of get the context of this a little bit more than maybe you were. But I thought this was awesome. I thought all three parts of this were really, really engaging and even if you're not a Beatles fan, you're seeing like the creative process unfiltered and unedited. Like you're seeing them on the fly coming up with stuff and the struggle of like working with these, these personalities who are all have different ideas of where the band's going to go. You're essentially seeing the Beatles break up in slow motion, you know? So you might not be a fan of the band, but I think you can admit like the downfall of the Beatles is something that is like a pop culture moment, you know, like a band that came and took over the world for like a decade. And then, had this big public breakup and you're, you're seeing that happen. You get, you see the moment that George Harrison walks out on the band and says, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. You guys suck. You're not rattling me. You just keep telling me what to do. So I'm out, you know, and then you get kind of the shaky relationship going forward of him saying, like, okay, fine. I'll come back to like finish the album. But after that, you know, and you're, you're seeing the downfall of these idols. We, we last Jedi seems to tie into all of this stuff, you know, but like this feels like you're taking icons of history like these mythical people who have been mythologized up to being like yeah they just like made this made all this incredible music they're like these icons that could have easily become like a bohemian rhapsody with rami malik type of thing where it's like we're gonna hero worship these people but this is not a hero worship it's just showing the highs and lows of the creative process and ultimately the, the downfall of this great historically relevant band so I, I'm having a great time with it. The highs and lows of the creative process, like I mentioned, you're getting everything here. And it might have been released in a weird way. I don't necessarily think the format was uh, open to outsiders, but not very accessible. 
you know, if this was released as like hour long episodes rather than these like three hour dumps, I think it would have been a lot more accessible. But as a documentary fan, as a Beatles fan, as a big music fan, as someone who who loves movies about the creative process and the mental strain of the creative process, this kind of had that to the to the level where if there was a Beatles biopic, I don't even know how it could be as good as this. Like this is capturing the band in a way that no movie ever could. Yeah, I've said all I needed. I didn't watch parts two and three, obviously. I don't care. So do you have anything else you want to say about Beatles Get Back? I will say, if you're not a Beatles fan, a couple of things that I think you might attach to with Mike in this is that you're seeing these personalities conflicting. You're seeing all of these all of these, I, all of these, guys who have different ideas of what music is, and you, you see the downfall of that band. And I think even as an outsider, you can see that character dynamic and attached to that so i think you you'll enjoy that if you if you enjoy pop culture history and if you are creatively minded if you have any level of like you you, you're a writer you're a musician you're you know a filmmaker you have any level of involvement in the creative process i think this will be in a a really powerful watch and if potentially like you're gonna you're seeing the high the people that are mythologized going through the struggles of creating and making mistakes and trying to figure things out and yeah, I liked it a lot. And it's one that if it was eligible for Oscars, I wonder if it would be getting best documentary, but it's just kind of being let out randomly on Disney plus. <laughs> so who knows? Yeah. I don't know how that works. Somebody out there likes it. I'm sure not me. All right. Ready for our next topic. And that's a sad. I have topic. one question for you, Joe. Yeah. Uh, since you're not a big Beatles fan, if you were to see this kind of a thing for any, album oh i talked about band, this what would it i be? talked about this last you mentioned time. it in the last episode but is there uh any album you kind of maybe other than that one like anything you'd like to see deep dived into in this so way any that, fly in the wall type of thing see the thing is number one i'm not a big album guy like if you were like name an album i'm like i don't know thriller fuck it but like you know what i could i could switch it up and say if you were to see a movie like this about about a movie like you're gonna get a fly in the wall set a fly in the wall about like the making of the force awakens you get like this 10 hour thing about you're watching the painful moment to moment process of the making of this movie. What are you going with? Like I know a lot of the behind the scenes, like I just read enough. So I know like star Wars. So it's hard. Cause like the movies I like, I've seen a lot of the behind the scenes documentaries. Uh, but I think one that would be interesting. And I just like looked at my blue DVD case and like, I saw the title. I'm like, I'd want to watch that just for like the gorilla filmmaking of it all. And like the breaking of the rules, Rocky, give me the behind the scenes making of Rocky of just like them not getting permits for a lot of the stuff you're supposed to get permits for. If you had a fly on the wall of like, uh, Sylvester Stallone went away for a weekend and hammered out the entire script of Rocky. And then it went on, like, give me a, give me a nine hour documentary from like inception of like, I have an idea to a winning best picture at the Oscars. I think that would be like an amazing documentary. That'd be a great one. Yeah, we just watched the Star Wars one, so it would be fascinating to get a fly in the wall, like, episode nine documentary, like, unfiltered, not the Disneyfication version of what happened, but, like, the 10-hour, you're watching the highs and lows, you're watching the fights, but you're also watching the moments of creativity between the actors, and I think it would be a fun movie to get that humanization behind, too, because people people have this vitriol towards it. 
So it would have been it'd be nice to be like, yeah, this was like made by human beings. <laughs> Remember that, you know? Yeah. All right, you ready to move on to our next? Especially because to, to bring it back to get out to bring it back briefly to the move to the album, "Let It Be" was not very liked. It's not it's not a well liked Beatles album. So you're almost getting the making of like a flop, you know? Yeah. So I think I think to bring it in and make it like the making of Rise of Skywalker, or even the making of the Phantom Menace. We I know we have really intricate details of that one, but I would love to just be like. A genuine unfiltered fly in the wall watching the making of those. Yeah. Definitely. But I am now ready to move away from the get back. Unfortunately, I, I loved it. It's going to be sad to not talk about it anymore. Yeah. Well, oh well. And the one album I was talking about, if you didn't watch our last episode of Disney Plus, was, um, like, I, I just had thrown it out there, but my favorite album is, because I'm not, like I said, not a big album guy, is The Eminem Show. And if you had just said that same documentary, but it was just Eminem, Dr. Dre, and everyone else just, like, in the studio making that album, I'm like, okay, I'd be into this because I have, like, cultural references and I understand, like, oh, this is this song, this is this song, but it's like, let it be. And people are like, oh, I can't I can't believe I just saw them make this song. And I'm like, oh, I've never even heard of that song before, so I don't really care. Anyway, so... <laughs> Next news topic, it's a little bit sad around here. Never actually finished this season, but unfortunately, Turner and Hooch is not getting a second season. It's being canceled after only one season, and I have to say, I think if we lived in a world where Doogie Kameloha MD didn't exist, I would have finished this out. But I think as far as just, like, adequate, capable Disney Plus shows exist, I only had room for one, and it was Doogie Kameloha. And now that we're not getting a season two, it's going to be hard to go back to care and watch uh, season one of Turner and Hooch. Uh, but Tristan, I think you watched the first couple episodes. Are you shocked? Are you surprised? What are your thoughts that no more Turner um, and Hooch? I'm not shocked. I'm not surprised. I'm not really sad about it either because this means I'm never going to have to watch it again. Like if it came back for a season two. Movie. You should watch the movie. I probably will watch the movie. But if this came back for a season two, I'd feel the peer pressure to maybe binge through the first one and then watch the premiere. Or at least go blind and watch the premiere of season two, and now this means I don't have to watch it anymore. You know, and it wasn't it wasn't unwatchable, but for me it was certainly on the low low tier of the it stuff that we covered the on the show. Episode, you know. Yeah, so I'm not I'm not shocked to see it canceled. Hopefully, they fill it with something better, and I hope we don't get the same news for Dookie because that guy that was a similar show that was going for a similar demographic in a way, and I think it performed similarly poorly, <laughs> but. We'll see. Yep. All right. So our next uh, piece of news, we got some Ahsoka casting. Uh, and I will throw up her picture here. We have Ivana. Not sure how to say her last name, but it's S-A-K-H-N-O. Sakno. Ivana Sakno is joining the Ahsoka television series, which is going to be written by Dave Filoni. Uh, if you don't recognize her, she's been in Pacific Rim Uprising. The Spy Who Dumped Me, as well as the Hulu series High Fidelity. Uh, we're unsure of what role she's playing, but based on her picture, my guess is she is going to be playing some type of Chiss, which is the same species as Thrawn. She just gives a very Chiss kind of vibe, throw some blue skin on her, and I could easily see, especially with the rumors that Lars Mikkelsen is playing uh, live action Thrawn and the fact that she is I believe Ukrainian born so you have kind of that northern eastern European sound I, that's my vote is uh, she's playing some type of chiss <laughs> but Tristan do you have any kind of thoughts on this casting any ideas any speculation or do you just be like eh, I've never heard of her 
It's whatever. Mm-hmm. Whatever she plays is whatever she plays. Look, I've never heard of her, but I like the look of her. She has this kind of delicate kind of face. I, I could see her being in some some form of... I don't know if I want to see her be like an alien where her gold face is going to be covered up. You know, I think but she I mean, has... She, I'm looking she has, at the picture. The same face, it's just dyed blue. You know, you don't got to put any prosthetics That's true. on her. I think she has an imperial look to her, though. I definitely see her being a member of the military, some kind of kind of uh, server to Thrawn, maybe like a, a right-hand woman of Thrawn. I could see her in that kind of a role. Yeah. And if he was going to be Thrawn's right-hand woman, I don't necessarily want her to be the same species as, as Thrawn. <laughs> but it, yeah, I like your thinking, Joe. I think she fits the look. I could definitely see it. But if I'm, I'm imagining her like right behind Thrawn, you know, doing her doing his deeds. I could see her doing that. And she has that kind of look where I could see her being this cold, uh, cold Imperial. Yeah. All right. Any, I mean, it's kind of quick thoughts. She's not like this big name actress. It's not like Meryl Streep is joining the Ahsoka series where we could talk about that for 40 minutes, speculating on who she's playing. It's like, Hey, here's this actress. No one's really heard of. Uh, what's she going to play? It's like, I don't know. So, uh, with that, I think we're going to move on to our next topic and we're going to stick with Star Wars for that. And that is, uh, we got a recent book of Boba Fett teaser. Going to throw up some images from that. And I think it kind of just confirms a lot of the, uh, theory, speculation, and rumors, you know. You got some sand people, a vision of some sand people approaching in the sand. Uh, you got him laying in what appears to be a back to tank with a hose coming through his mouth. And then the final image here, which is just him chilling with some guys in Fennec Shand. And I, my theory is, uh, basically, we're going to get a lot of flashbacks. We're going to see how he survived the Sarlacc pit. Uh, I'm still thinking uh, the Big Bad is a character we've known before. And I have a new theory based on conversations I've had with people, speculation of what they'd like to see. They're like, I think a big criminal organization is going to be the uh, Big Bad. Another one's like, I think it's going to be more of a singular person. And I think, what if we combine the best of both worlds? And my theory right now, I don't know if I've told Tristan, I think Amelia Clark is coming back and Crimson Dawn, led by Kira, is going to be the main antagonist of this show. And he's like, I need to dominate the underworld, and Crimson Dawn and Kira are the only things standing in my way. I really like that theory, because if you're following the comics, they've been doing a lot with Crimson Dawn, and they're also trying to unite the underworld. Uh, so I wonder if we can get a moment where like, they're both trying to do the same thing, and uh, Boba Fett is maybe saying, hey, Crimson Dawn, let's work together. Let's be allies. And Crimson Dawn is like, no, we're the ones who have to be in charge. We're going to reunite the galaxy, but in a way that makes us the power. And and that would be kind of a flood to Boba Fett, who seems to be wanting to do the do the do a good thing, kind of like a communal, you know, shared utopia space, uh, more progressive, you know, sharing the wealth, you know, all, workers owning the, owning the labor here, yeah. you know, and... <laughs> I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be interesting to see those two conflicting ideals. Because I, I do like your theory a lot, and I'm honestly buying into it. I think that's what's gonna happen. I'm. I'm on your team here, Joe. Yeah, I just think personally, if uh, the antagonist is a brand new character, like why would you not show them, right? But if it's a return, and they've been very secretive. And if it's a return, like the we know three cat. I mean, outside of like random extras, we know three char- three actors in the show. We know Tamara Morrison, Ming Na Wen. And Jennifer Beals, who plays a random ass Twilight, who could be in one episode. And outside of that, we know no one. And I feel like if the main antagonist was like this brand new villain, you'd want to show them off in the trailer of like, look at this cool badass villain that Boba Fett's going to have to go against. Where I think 
it's going to be a returning character, and I think that kind of limits. I think Cad Bane's an option. I think Kira's an option, and I just think Kira, as far as like a low-budget Disney Plus type of show, Kira makes the most sense because you don't have to have a villain with all of these like crazy prosthetics or CGI or anything else. I think. I think the only thing holding that back is that I, Lucasfilm was a leaky ship, and I th- I, I think we would have mm, heard about Amelia Clark that's not being true. being out out in the world we, we heard practically everything in mandalorian leaked every casting possible the, the only reason we didn't see a loop leaked is because no one got cast see i'm partial to think some of that was intentional i think some of those they would never intentionally leak all, their entirety of their cast list like they're not going to leak everything just to cover this one twist but also, like, nothing from Book of Boba Fett's leaked. I think some of that leaking with, like, Ahsoka and, uh, and like, uh, and, uh, uh, what's-her-face uh, from Clone Wars uh, was intentional to hide Luke. But, like, season, look at season one. No one had any idea what the child was. Like, people, we knew that there were a bunch of Yoda puppets on set, and so a lot of the assumption was that there was going to be a, like, that he was going to at some point visit Yoda's homeworld. And, like, that was the assumption. Like, no one had any idea that this was, like, a lone wolf and cub story until even, like, episode three when we're like, oh, I guess this kid's sticking around a while. Um, I'm really excited for this show, though. I uh, The mystery around Star Wars is something that has always been so much fun. And you go into a Marvel show, you more or less know what the plot's going to be. Like, yeah. There was mystery in WandaVision, but we knew what we were going to get. There's mystery going into Loki, but we knew what we were going to get. And you know the basic, basic idea of what this is going to be, but we don't even know the villain. We don't even know the scale of the story, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch that first episode. And like you said, I, I always look, remember that reveal in the first episode of Mandalorian where you get the child, and you had no idea that was happening, and it kind of shifts the shifts the entire series into something different. And, I very much can see this happening for this show where we get a reveal in the episode one of who the bad guy actually is and it kind of changes the the entire dynamic, you know. And I'll throw out a random I I uh I think we I think we will end up I mentioned last week that I think we will see like a Captain Rex appearance in this show. I wouldn't be surprised. I would be surprised, but I would be excited if if the villain is in fact a, a clone so we have like essentially Tamara Morrison fighting a, 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 vision, a version of himself and the villain is kind of like a turned clone or someone who left the left the clone army or something like that so we're getting the villain as being a, a literal foil to Boba Fett some other path that he could have took a brother to him you know he doesn't want to take him down he doesn't want to kill him he has this connection to him but ultimately they fight it out you know that's kind of what I'm, I'm I ran him through your prediction if I'm taking one all right, if it's that, it has to be Lucky. That's my prediction. Lucky, if you don't know, was the clone in Boba Fett uh, when he tried to kill Mace Windu in the Ark of the Clone Wars. Like, basically took out uh, this clone cadet named Lucky and, like, took his place. And I think that would be an amazing connection. People would be like, oh, it's, like, member berries. But, like, no one remembers that clone. I don't even think that clone was on screen. He just took his spot. <laughs> And so that would be my vote, is it's lucky. Um, uh, anything else you got to say about Book of Boba Fett? No, I'm looking forward to it. Your hype for the show is contagious yeah. for me. I think uh, definitely heavily inspired by uh, Godfather Part 2 with all of the flashbacks and everything and trying to control 
the underworld. I think if I watched an interview and someone asked him, oh, so you were clearly inspired by Godfather Part Two, I would be completely shocked if they were like, no, not at all. Um, didn't watch that one. Yeah, didn't, didn't skip that one. I was more of a Godfather Part Three fan. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think we only have one thing to talk about, and that's a piece of Disney Plus content you and I kind of accidentally watched last night, and that is the Queen sing-along, which... After watching it, pretty sure I said that may be the worst produced thing I've ever seen in my life. It was a, it was originally made for uh, uh, ABC. Came out about a month ago. It was early November, and then they just dropped it on Disney Plus. Hosted by Darren Chris, who people might know from kind of the uh, American Crime Story. He was in the, uh, what was it, the Versace. Uh, one or whatever it was called. I don't know. I didn't watch it. I didn't care about it. You, of course, it. probably know him from Glee. And Glee. Oh, I, guess. I didn't watch Glee either. Very, I, very big character on Glee. I didn't watch Glee. But yeah, so he uh, hosted it, and there was like a lot of weird segments. He was in a hotel for some reason. Uh, he got to see JoJo Siwa sing We Will Rock You, which is where I wanted to stop. But of course, we kept watching. And yeah, did you want to see a bunch of mediocre singers try to sing Queen? There you go. You'll love the shit out of that. Tristan, what were your thoughts? Like, I I don't follow the music industry like I used to, uh, but I do follow it. And, like, there's names here that I recognize, but there was never a get hype name. There was never someone coming out where I was like, oh, I can't wait for their version. It was Fall Out Boy. It was One Republic. It was people who I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I saw it. I'd be like, Darren oh, okay. Chris, do you want like... to see Darren Chris sing Bohemian Rhapsody? Do you want to sing Miss Piggy sing whatever garbage songs? Okay, the song's not garbage, but the way she sang was garbage. You want to sing Miss Piggy sing that song? Because you can. And I wonder why they use these people in this way. And you say it came out in November, and that makes me like it worse. Because as I was watching it, I was giving it the benefit of the doubt. And I was like, well, it probably came out like a year and a half ago when no one knew how to film anything COVID, and they were just trying to fill content. But no, after a year of this of the shutdowns and the productions, they should have known how to make something more interesting than this. And and Disney has the money and the and the names to a broad and better name. Like Billie Eilish is on the Disney payroll. Why wasn't she here? Taylor Swift is on the Disney payroll. Why wasn't she here? You could bring in Olivia people like Rodrigo. Ariana Grande, Olivia Rodrigo. Like there's names you could use. Yeah. Um, so I don't know why they went with who they NBC. went with. Is uh is the voice NBC or Fox? It's NBC, right? NBC, yes. NBC, yeah, never mind. Because she's a host on The Voice, but that's NBC. I was thinking if it was Fox, then she's also on the Disney payroll, but... I mean, yeah, I just don't... It could have been more interesting, and I was curious who this is even going for, and we've been going on about this bad, bad thing. But, yeah, that was the biggest question for me, is who is this for? It's a Queen thing, so they're probably going for, like, boomers who know Queen, you know, but But all of the artists are are people that no one knows. people that were big in like the 80s and the 90s but it's like okay you're having queen but then like halfway through they're cutting through to explain like who queen was but then it's like okay so is this for like younger people but like younger people aren't going to click on and watch a queen sing along but it's like it it makes no sense who some of this stuff was for it just uh, i'm with you 100 percent. like why are we not getting Billie eilish olivia rodrigo like great singers and i wouldn't even make it a sing-along make it a fucking queen concert experience like no one's at home being like, guys, let's all get around the TV and sing along to Queen. That's not a thing that happens. Just have a Queen concert experience, an homage to 50 years of Queen, and here's all of the A-list big name talent we have singing their songs. 
Yeah, the sing-along aspect added nothing, especially when they're covers and they're not quite on with the beats. Like, if you're trying to sing along to the song, you know you're not exactly going to be on key or on cue with the character with the with the performer. But of course, they give you the little notes and everything. And the, there was a, a strange, strange thing to watch. Yeah. Very a mix of all kinds of things. It was bad. It was very bad. A bad, sure, but also ultimately a weird. Yeah. Like, a, not even a weird as it's much like, as what just, if Tommy Wiseau watched why? one Queen concert and made a thing? I wish it was weirder. It was mostly just filler. Yep. It's strange. A lot of strange decisions. A thing for no one. Yeah. All right. Anything so else? I'm saying I don't recommend it is what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, if they thought we were recommending this, they need to watch other content because they don't understand us at all. Uh, watch I, Get Back instead. Or or watch Turner and Hooch. Anything else you got to say this week? I got to say, uh, I've been watching Diary of a Whoopi Kid as we've been recording this episode. Right, uh, how's that looking? <laughs> looking, I like the animation style. You know, you had a cool opening sequence that was right out of the books. And now you're having this interesting version of the 2D characters brought to a 3D life. I think we'll talk about it more next week. But yeah, uh, as a background watch... I'm giving positive vibes for the Diary of Whoopi Kid. Let's end on a positive note show. Something that is not for us, but maybe kind of cool, you know? Okay. So check out Diary of Whoopi Kid. We'll have a full review next week, along with the Hawkeye episode four. And maybe a new Boba Fett trailer. Who knows? Not enough get back. Where's part four? We don't need it. It's called Abbey Road. Abbey Road part one. All right. So I think uh, without further ado... Goodbye. Hey, thank you for watching the Movie Change Up podcast. We'd really appreciate if you liked, commented, subscribed, and shared us with anyone you think might be into what we're doing over here. Thank you. Have a nice day.